Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We certainly appreciate being a part of your day. And I tell you, folks, what a day it is. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri for the National Association of Farm Broadcasters annual meeting. We've got about 600 farm broadcasters and affiliated personnel here in KC talking about the issues that matter to agriculture. And those are the conversations we're going to be bringing on today's show. It is going to be a policy discussion show today, folks. We had the midterm elections two weeks ago still getting the results. We'll talk with Jackie Fatka of AgriPulse here in just a moment about those details. And then in segment two, we're going to check in with our friend Will Stafford. He's the Washington representative for CHS, and he's going to give us an update on what they're watching from an, a, a policy perspective heading into 2023. And then in segment three, Iowa Senior Senator Charles Grass will be joining the program fresh off a victory there in the state of Iowa. He'll be looking ahead to the lame duck session. Several of his pieces of legislation have been waiting on votes all year long. We'll see. Are they going to come to fruition before the new Congress takes its seat in January? We're going to close the show with our friends from Bayer. We're going to take a look at the corn traits and how they have performed throughout this harvest season. So folks, stick around with us for the rest of the episode. Let's jump into it. Joining me here in person is friend of the program, Jackie Fatka, formerly of Farm Progress, now proud to introduce her as an AgriPulse journalist. Jackie, thanks for joining us today. It is great to be back with you, Mike. You gave a presentation yesterday here for the farm broadcasters looking back on the election results of 2022. Jackie, we are still waiting on election results for 2022. What do we know right now? Well, you know, I just literally checked and we finally have the magic 218 number in the House. So Republicans do have control, but it is still very, very tight, which means uh, you know, right now it's 211 to 218. So still a few more races trickling in, but that magic 218 number Republicans will have control of the House which will make things a little interesting going forward but also this is not a huge red wave that everybody had thought going into this no it certainly wasn't did not turn out to be the red tsunami that so many folks were discussing more of a, of a red trickle Jackie but I'm curious since we know the House of Representatives right now we know Republicans are in charge so that's going to lead to some shakeups in the House Ag committees both the Dems and the Republican side looking out to next year how much do you anticipate them to change will GT still be a player on the Republican side oh definitely uh, GT will definitely be the one who's in charge of the House Agriculture Committee and he's got some interesting goals that he wants to to take on uh, most definitely he said that he wants to get a bill out of the house a farm bill out of the house in july which that's a pretty pretty ambitious goal but that is what he has stated uh, he wants to have bipartisan farm bill hearings maybe even as soon as january in uh, pennsylvania at the farm days he said that this week and uh, again more oversight he will definitely be looking to have more oversight of usda and trying to make sure that what is going into the farm bill is how it should be done. And so there's definitely gonna be a, a looking more closely at how programs are running and how USDA is operating. 
And I'm glad you brought that up, Jackie, because it is a contested issue. Republicans looking at this next Congress might be a little more concerned about the deficit and about government spending in this inflationary period. I know some Congress folks are just kind of upset that a farm bill exists at all. What's the likelihood that, that maybe nothing happens? I think Republicans have more to lose. And I talked about this yesterday. They have more to lose if they don't pass a farm bill. And, you know, farm bills typically have been bipartisan. They are able to gather members from both sides of the aisle to get something across. And so, yes, you do have those pretty extreme Republicans who are very fiscally conservative and do not feel like any money should be spent on this. And I think that's probably pretty short-sighted. I don't think that that is widely shared by the entire Republican Party. But that also means that if you do have any distract detractors, right, we have a very small margin. So any detractors means that you're going to have to come up with them on the other side of the aisle. And so how you write a farm bill is going to have to be able to meet both of those needs from both the Democrats and Republicans. We're going to see some new faces in Congress, Jackie. We're going to see some new faces, I imagine, on the Ag Committees. Let's keep the focus in the House of Representatives there. Were there any big shakeups that you noticed on election night of, of Ag, Ag Committee members? So actually, House Ag Committees, is you look at how the entire country was trying to have that red wave. Republicans actually had looked at a lot of districts, and a lot of those more vulnerable Democrats were House Ag Committee Democrats. But in the end, after Election Day, a lot of those House Ag Committee members were able to hold Hold on. You looked at Abigail Spanberger in Virginia. You looked at Schreier in Washington. You looked at, uh, there was a, a handful of, of districts that very well could have flipped Republican, but they stayed Democrat. And so in some ways, you know, those are members that have stayed there, but we still have a lot of new House Ag members who have not, who, who are here from 2020, but have not been part of a farm bill process since the last 2018 farm bill. Yeah, that's a really good point. Lots of new faces in the past five years. Jackie, thinking back on on what this farm bill could look like, we've heard from Colin Peterson that the Democrats just don't have the excitement for the ag and rural issues like we see on the Republican side of the aisle. Are there any new faces on the Democrat side who could bring that kind of enthusiasm to the House Ag Democratic side? You know, we always need advocates on both sides. And so, yes, you know, Colin Peterson, gosh, we miss him because he was such a great moderate and able to to work that 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 magic of, of bringing both sides together. Uh, you know, somebody who has done a real early good job in uh, my home state here of Ohio is Chantel Brown. And she's one who actually was uh, the one who filled in for Marsha Judge, who was part of this Biden administration. So left up near the Cleveland area and someone who obviously has a constituency of a lot of urban people, but very quickly early on uh, met with ag groups, uh, actually was supported by the Farm Bureau this fall for her reelection which for a Democrat to get the the friend of the friend of the farmer dom nomination or endorsement from the Farm Bureau, um, you know, she tries to look at her constituency, but also through the lens of commodities. And so she's been very open to, yes, we need nutrition, we need that partnership together. And so, you know, having some of those similar type of people, you know, everybody eats food. And so I think, you know, Colin Peterson has said in the past too, that a lot of new members are excited about being on the Ag Committee because they do recognize that there is a lot of importance of food policy and and how it, it relates to constituencies, whether you live in rural America, whether you live in suburban America, or even whether you live in urban. So everybody eats food and everybody needs food. And that's an important national security issue as well. And I imagine that's resonating in DC when we're talking about this farm bill. Are we going to keep nutrition and commodity titles together in one package? 
You know, actually, I think with the fact that the House is so narrowly Republican controlled, that actually is a easier path forward to continue to keep that perfect marriage of nutrition and commodity titles. You know, we've seen in recent history that Republicans have tried to divide those two out. And so I think if we had seen a 40 member red wave, then maybe that would have been the first path of trying to get the farm bill across was something that did not have the nutrition title in. All right, lots to watch here as this political calendar starts to accelerate once we get to the start of the new year. Jackie Fatka, AgriPulse, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be back. Thanks, Mike. And folks, stick around. We'll be talking with CHS Washington Representative Will Stafford here in just a moment, talking policy and the changes happening there in Washington, D.C. Stick around for more AOA coming up here from NAFB. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. Sensors and machine learning. The world of soil mapping continues to change. Earth Optics CEO Lars Deerud joins me now. And Lars, tell us a little bit about what Earth Optics does. Yeah, so we make soil maps using both traditional soil sample, uh, but we also map the field with several sensors and bring in satellite and other satellite-based data sources to use machine learning to make a very high-resolution yet very accurate map of any soil attribute the system's trained on. We've been around for nearly four years now. Um, this is our third full full season making maps for our customers. Um, and each year we've been growing at about a, a 10 times rate. How does this benefit the farmer? It benefits the farmer because we dramatically lower costs for traditional fertility mapping, but also it enables new products like compaction mapping. And all that data is delivered to the grower uh, via convenient web uh, web interface, and they can download the files to integrate with other systems if they choose. That's Lars Deerroot, CEO of Earth Optics. Lars, thanks for joining us. And if you want more information, visit the website earthoptics.com. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits, because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers, its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. 
Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. Thanks for making us a part of your day today, folks. The show is continuing here from the NAFB show in downtown Kansas City at the Crown Center. Fantastic constellation of folks who cover agriculture for a living and who work in agriculture and are passionate about the ag industry and producing goods and food for Americans and folks around the world. Well, joining me is one person who helps keep those wheels turning. Will Stafford, the CHS Washington representative, joins me now. And Will, my good it has been a busy two weeks for somebody who lives and works in Washington, D.C., hasn't it? It has, yeah, absolutely. Um, with midterms ending or still going on in certain races, um, we've been very closely watching the outcomes to that and what that'll mean for our farmer owners. Let's talk. We spoke with Jackie Fatka a moment ago about the election races that are still happening, although we do have the House confirmed now. Will, what are we still waiting on? from the election perspective as we sit here today. A couple of Senate races still outstanding? A couple of Senate races still outstanding. Um, the big one being Georgia again. Um, just one runoff this time as opposed to two years ago when we had both of them. Um, but just like two years ago, there's gonna be a lot of money that's put into that, a lot of mobilization from both sides. Um, although the only difference between this year and, and two years ago with that race specifically is that um, control of the Senate will not be up depending on uh, the outcome of that. It'll just decide whether it's a, a one seat majority or a two seat majority for the Democrats. How does that switch? And I, we can call it a switch. The Democrats have 50 seats confirmed mm -hmm. already. The next one will just be, as you mentioned, kind of the bonus. How is that Senate uh, switch going to affect the farm bill discussions here, Will, as they heat up at the start of the year? Yeah, I, I don't think that that'll have too much of an impact on the Senate side on the farm bill discussions. Um, it looks like we will still have um, Senator Stabenow from Michigan as chairwoman, um, and she's done several farm bills before as either chairwoman or ranking member of that committee. She knows how to get them done, and she knows how to work with the Democrat caucus to make sure that they um, that they stick with her and 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 get a bill across the finish line so i don't think the difference between a, a one seat or a or a 50 50 split is going to have too much of an impact um but what could is um is mr warnock from georgia is a member of the agriculture committee um so if he loses to herschel walker down in georgia in december for the runoff um that would be a a loss for the democrats on that committee and they may need to find a new member and the Democrats would get to choose a new member, right? They, they would get to look amongst their caucus to find the members of these committees. Is that how it works? That's correct. Yeah, they would get to pick. All right. So we'll have to continue to watch that. Is he the only Senate Ag Democrat who might not be reseated in the committee this next Congress? As far as I know right now, um, there's always a little bit of shuffling between members. Um, some members decide they want to get on a different committee um, and and 
that plays into it. And sometimes they get off of ag and sometimes some members ask to be put on agriculture. Um, but we haven't seen how that will play out yet. That'll be closer to the new year when we find out that that happens. All right. Well, and now, of course, with the election in the rearview mirror, now a lot of people are turning their attention forward. They're looking to the end of next year. And we have the expiration of the 2018 Farm Bill. From CHS perspective, what are you looking for in this Farm Bill? And I guess, what are you expecting as this discussion starts to heat up? Big change or small changes? Yeah, I think it's going to be more on the small change side. Um, when I worked in the Senate, I worked for a, a senator that used to use the phrase evolutionary, not revolutionary. Um, so I, I steal that a lot. And, you know, I, I really think as far as farm policy goes, those Title I and crop insurance programs um, that farmers rely on. I think it's gonna be more small scale changes, tweaks to the program to make sure that they're operating better for farmers um, rather than something entirely new like we've seen in the past where they're gonna have to learn an all new program. Well, anytime we're we're monkeying with details and we're mixing around with the with the minute pieces of these legislations, of course we've got people who are very passionate about it. And it's tough to generate excitement for small changes. G given the fact that that might be the focus of this next farm bill, do you think we can get it across the finish line? Will Congress be engaged enough in ag issues to handle small ball stuff on a big project like the farm bill? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, you know, I, that same boss that I used to work for used to say, you go to a member of Congress and bring up crop insurance and you've got about seven seconds before their eyes glaze over. Um, but it's so important to our farmer owners that, that we need to be engaged. Um, and there will be attacks from both the left and the right on programs like crop insurance that we're going to need to fight back on. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, I think the leadership is in place within both the House and the Senate. Um, as I said, members like Chairwoman Stabenow that have done this before, have been in the seat before and have gotten a bill across the finish line, um, as well as Mr. Thompson on the House side um, and Mr. Bozeman on the Senate side as well that have, have been in the seats and, and have gotten this done. And we've seen in the past that a split Congress um, can sometimes actually be helpful to getting a farm bill done as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we will get something done by the end of the year. Something more than just an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill, or does that count as something in your word, Will? You know, I think that that counts as something, but I do think that there is a lot of momentum and energy right now to get a new bill done. All right. Looking at some of the other aspects of the Biden administration approach to agriculture, Will, we've seen a lot of enthusiasm in this administration for the Climate Smart Ag Partnerships, using that Commodity Credit Corporation money to try new things in the world of agriculture. I know that some Republicans in both the House and the Senate haven't been thrilled with those programs and the use of the CCC. Does that set up a fight in this next Congress as they try to put more oversight onto these programs? Or is there just not much Congress can do with the way the CCC is set up? Yeah, you know, we'll have to see when when new Congress starts. I, you hit the, the nail on the head with the word oversight, though. Um, that'll be a theme in in the House side, especially with Republicans taking over, and the Agriculture Committee will be no different. Um, and I'm sure that we will see oversight hearings on how some of these money are being spent. You know, over the last uh, four to five years, going back to the last administration, we've seen such an increase in how and where and when um, CCC funds can be used. And, uh, you know, we might see that, that be looked at some more. Um, but I will say on the Climate Smart, um, and the, the Climate Smart program in particular, the partnership program from USDA, you know, we really did appreciate how the administration did outreach with stakeholders, um, made us part of the process, um, kept that grant focused 
incentive focused for farmers, farmer focused, uh, things like that. Um, because when we do talk about changes and sustainability and, and climate smart programs, we really are pushing to make sure that they stay voluntary, um, not mandatory, um, that they're farmer focused, uh, incentive based for farmers, equitable across different crops in different regions, and don't penalize farmers that, are, that were early adopters and have been doing some of these practices for years. Will, you said a key word, and it's a word I hear brought up time and time again when these climate smart discussions start, and it's voluntary. The yeah. idea that every farm is different, every acre is different, and the practices required need to have some flexibility. Is voluntary, looking at this new Congress, still going to be the word that the folks in D.C. are willing to respect, or do you think we might see more compulsory type pushes as we go to the future. Yeah, I, I still think the voluntary approach is the, the more popular one in DC, um, but you will have folks that are pushing for the mandatory side of things, more of the stick than the carrot. Um, and that's something we're gonna have to keep watching out for. And that's something that we will fight back against. I can promise that. I want to change our focus just briefly for a second. Will CHS, of course, works with folks all around the globe. Global trade is important, not just for agriculture, but also CHS continues to be a wild ride over there. Do we have any, are you expecting any votes here in the lame duck session on the, the two trade folks we're waiting on, Alexis Taylor and Doug McCaleb? Yeah, we're hopeful. Um, we've been, CHS has been pushing very hard for both of them um, to be uh, confirmed by the Senate. Um, they've both been up there for a while. And frankly, um, it, it puts agriculture at a disadvantage that for the first half of this administration so far, the last two years, there's been no agriculture um, no agriculture voice at the negotiating table, um, whether that's from USTR or USDA. So both um, Mr. McCaleb and Alexis Taylor are phenomenal nominees. They will be great voices for agriculture, um, and we would love to see them passed very soon. And, you know, you mentioned it, great nominees. They are two folks whose names have come up that I have seen really, truly bipartisan support for both folks throughout the political ecosystem. The slowdown and getting them confirmed, Will, is frustrating, isn't it? It is, and that's just Congress for you. Um, it, it happens, especially on the Senate, where they get confirmed by, you can get into situations where one member can, can essentially put a hold on someone for reasons totally unrelated to the actual um, nominee themselves. Um, but yeah, there is bipartisan support, you know, especially for Alexis Taylor. I have not heard of a single person that actually has an issue with her. And CHS in particular, we led a letter of support for her when her name was first uh, put forward by the president, where we got um, well over 100 different companies signing on from across the country um, in support of her, too. Hopefully they can take that enthusiasm and get her nomination across the finish line here before we get to the end of the year. Will, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Folks, that's Will Stafford, CHS Washington representative, joining us today. Stick around. We'll have more AOA coming up after the break, and we'll be talking with Iowa's senior senator, Charles Grassley. So stay with us. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Sensors and machine learning. The world of soil mapping continues to change. Earth Optics CEO Lars Deerud joins me now. And Lars, tell us a little bit about what Earth Optics does. Yeah, so we make soil maps using both traditional soil sample, uh, but we also map the field with several sensors and bring in satellite and other satellite-based data sources to use machine learning to make a very high-resolution, 
yet very accurate map of any soil attribute the system's trained on. We've been around for nearly four years now. Um, this is our third full, full season making maps for our customers. Um, and each year we've been growing at about a, a 10 times rate. How does this benefit the farmer? It benefits the farmer because we dramatically lower costs for traditional fertility mapping, but also it enables new products like compaction mapping. And all that data is delivered to the grower uh, via convenient web uh, web interface, and they can download the files to integrate with other systems if they choose. That's Lars Deerroot, CEO of Earth Optics. Lars, thanks for joining us. And if you want more information, visit the website earthoptics.com. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Let's take a look at how this market trade is acting on Thursday. Overall, mostly lower as we got the announcement that the Ukraine grain export deal has been extended for 120 days. That obviously being a weight here on the grains and oil seeds as we work through our sessions. And that's going to be something that probably going to be a wait here throughout much of the day with little other news to uh, drive us one way or the other, balance things out. It's mostly to the downside here today. Uh, as we see that weekly export sales and shipments, they were pretty solid, especially for soybeans, net sales of 3.03 million metric tons, uh, primarily for China, the top buyer. Mexico came in second on that list. Unknown destinations were third. We saw corn net sales, 1.1697 million metric tons. Mexico, the top buyer. Saudi Arabia coming in at number two. Japan, number three. Wheat net sales, 290,300 metric tons. Mexico, the top buyer there, followed by Japan and Chile. Uh, those export sales numbers still not uh, not massive on, on wheat and corn, but definitely doing okay. Beef and pork net sales. Uh, beef net, that net sales, 13,400 metric tons. Pork, 25,200 metric tons. Mexico, the top buyer of both. Uh, but overall, market's just not really reacting to the export sales numbers. Crude oil's down a little over $1.50 a barrel. That's a weight again on bean oil, which in turn is a weight on soybeans here today, it appears. And and again, outside of the uh, Ukraine grain export deal, little to uh, no fresh news in this market trade. Livestock cattle traders, uh, they're going to be uh, gearing up for the cattle on feed report coming up here after the close on Friday, squaring positions ahead of the report. We've seen a little business in cash country this week, and so it'll be interesting to see what the cattle on feed numbers say. Those will be more of an impact on the trade heading into next week. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 54. So basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going. <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Well, hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Certainly appreciate you joining us. We are continuing our policy discussion here today. We've talked with Jackie Fatka earlier. We've spoken with Will Stafford, CHS Washington representative. And now it's time to go to the source directly. Iowa's senior Senator Republican Charles Grassley joins the program. Senator, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be with you. And before you ask the first question, I should probably thank the farmers of Iowa for supporting me to represent them in the United States Senate for another term. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love Iowa. I love Iowans. And obviously, I love uh, agriculture because it's been my life uh, uh, besides being in politics. And uh, I thank Robin and Pat Grassley for operating our family farm. I'm kind of like a hired man now. <laughs> That's not the end of the world, Senator. You're keeping busy with a lot of other projects. You'll be starting your eighth term in this next Congress when we get to January, but we're not done with the work of this Congress. Senator, there have been several bills you have been working on throughout the year, and the votes just haven't seemed to come. Senator uh, Ch Chuck Schumer, has he let you know what the, uh, the schedule for the lame duck session might look like? Uh, the only thing that he said is that it's going to be uh, uh, getting the uh, budget uh, done for uh, through September 30th of next year. So that would be what we call an omnibus appropriation bill. That's got to be done by December 16th. Uh, in between what he has scheduled for the rest of that period of time, because I don't expect that to take three weeks, He's not said, and of course, I'm hoping to get my cattle bill on that agenda. Well, that's where I was going with it. The cattle market price discovery and transparency bill, Senator, you've been working on this for years. It had a lot of enthusiasm behind it this year, spurred a lot of discussion in the cattle complex. We're just waiting on Senator Schumer to greenlight it for a vote. Is that where things stand? Uh, the question is, will he do that? And uh, I'm counting on Senator Tester. Uh, another Democrat, as Schumer's a Democrat, to get that job done, and I'll talk to Schumer anytime I can, but the point being, uh, I think Tester's got more uh, pull with Schumer than a Republican does, and consequently, uh, I'm depending on him to get that schedule. And, and it, it may be an impossible uh, responsibility that he has with just three weeks left, but I don't know when else to do it. If I was looking in the next year, I would look to handle it as a separate bill we have in the past. And if we don't get it done uh, as a separate bill, get it put in the farm bill, I would hope. Now, that is an interesting idea, Senator. Would there be room or discussion in the farm bill negotiations to put something like the cattle market price discovery and transparency bill into that legislation? Well, there's nothing more agriculture than... Uh, than feeding cattle and raising calves and and uh, the important role of ca uh, the calf uh, cow uh, operations of western united states it ought to fit in very well it wouldn't be the ideal way to do it but it seems to me it, w it ought to be considered at that particular time that makes sense, Senator. You know, we have been speaking on this uh, this program here today about the changes that are coming to both the House and the Senate Ag Committees. On the Senate side, you will re retain your seat in the Ag Committee. What sort of changes are you expecting as you look to this next Congress? Well, the most important thing is to protect crop insurance. 
beyond that, maybe more money for uh, uh, ag research, more money for uh, f- uh, export promotion of our uh, agricultural exports that we have, uh, and things of that nature. Probably some changes to the CRP along the lines of making sure that the federal government's not an unfair competitor to people that cash rent. That is a great point. We saw that uh, the, the, the pay rate for CRP climbing and, yes, certainly making it competitive there in the countryside. Senator, on the, uh, on the appropriations bill that's up for discussion here shortly, you mentioned December 16th is the drop-dead date there. Those discussions can get somewhat heated. How do you anticipate them going this time around? Well, I wish I were a member of the Appropriations Committee, and, I, I, and I'm not. So when you have an ominous appropriation bill, most of the debate goes on within the, uh, ag, uh, within the Appropriations Committee. And then when we get a chance of all 100 senators to vote on it, it's usually a situation where it comes up at the last minute, just before you're going to shut down government, and it's not wise to shut down government. Uh, you, you get an up or down vote on a big, thick bill. And sometimes you got time to read it, and sometimes you don't have time to read it. And, uh, and that's just the way it works out. Uh, what, where we try to influence for our constituents, whether it's agriculture or any other constituent interest, you end up talking to members of the Appropriations Committee uh, unlike uh, 10, 15 years ago, we'd have a lot of different appropriation bills come out, not just one big bill like now, and you'd have an opportunity to offer amendments and debate and vote those amendments up or down before you had final passage of the bill. Uh, with these uh, one big bill as opposed to 12 separate appropriation bills like we used to have, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, difficult to get the time uh, to uh, to amend it. That makes sense. So we'll just be watching for those headlines as that massive appropriations bill gets unveiled, hopefully before December 16th. Senator, I want to turn a focus to something that I've got a feeling you've got some opinions on. You have been a passionate defender of biofuels here across the country. It's an issue that we've seen generate a lot of enthusiasm over the past year. Looking out to this next Congress, Senator, can we get year-round E15 through a legislative solution? Uh, only if we can get it in that appropriation bill at the end of the year. That's the only way. We'll never get time to debate it as a separate piece of legislation. I intend to keep fighting for it. All right, so that is one of those pieces that will be in that appropriations bill. Looking out to, to some of the faces that are changing in the Senate, Senator, the biofuels industry, do you think, is still going to have enthusiasm in that, uh, in that Senate as we get into this next Congress? Well, it's got enthusiasm from this standpoint, that for a few years ahead, uh, it's been authorized to continue the, uh, uh, the biodiesel tax credit. And, uh, and so it's out there. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, authority given in the bill to the Secretary of Treasury that I think we're going to have to work real hard to make sure that uh, uh, soybeans as a crop have equal uh, support 
in the tax credit compared to uh, your, uh, you, you know, the the dead animal part of it, the part that comes from uh, recycled uh, kitchen oil and stuff like that. Uh, that seems to be a major factor, and we're going to have to fight with Treasury to make sure we get fairness for uh, uh, biodiesel that comes from soybeans. Absolutely. All those feedstocks should be treated the same, it would seem, as we're going into this kind of a program. Senator, you mentioned in the Farm Bill, one of the things you'd like to see is more work on the export promotion side. That is an area we have not seen this administration really sign. We're still waiting on two confirmations for ag negotiators on the global stage. Do you think this administration is going to be supportive of encouraging export promotions here in, uh, in agriculture? They aren't very export-oriented generally. They aren't working for free trade agreements. Uh, you probably remember that just this week, uh, Ernst and I sent a letter to the Special Trade Representative Office tell them to file complaints with Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canadian uh, Free Trade Agreement uh, because uh, Mexico's going down the road of banning GMO corn, we send about 600 million bushel of, of corn a year uh, to uh, Mexico. It'll be banned. That's going to be a hardship for American corn growers, as an example. And uh, they, uh, it's, it's a simple process. It's meant to be used, and they ought to be filing these challenges to Mexico under the U.S. Mex uh, USMCA agreement. That's true. This Mexican potential pending Mexican ban on GMO corn imports, Senator, you are exactly right. It is going to shake up the markets. Definitely need to see more activity on that front. On the on the two ag trade negotiators, of course, we've got Alexis Taylor and we've got Doug McCaleb, both with strong bipartisan support. Senator, we're just waiting on those Senate confirmation votes. Have you heard from Senator Schumer on whether or not those might be happening in this lame duck session? No, they should have happened when we left on September 29th when we adjourned for the election. Now we're back. It ought to happen uh, right now. And, uh, and I'm going to push him on it because both of those are well-trained in agriculture uh, and the export markets and the trade that deals with agriculture. Uh, both of them highly qualified, and we should get them in place. But this is another evidence of the Biden administration not promoting trade the way they should because uh, it took 18 months to even get these two people up to the Congress for consideration. Absolutely. It is too slow. Hopefully they can get some action shortly. Senator Charles Grassley, Iowa's senior senator, thanks for joining us today. Goodbye. And folks, stick around. We'll be talking corn trades with our friends from Bayer when AOA returns after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. 
to be a beacon of strength, a champion of courage, an advocate for hope. You are not alone because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. At Bravant, our corn and soybean varieties are vetted nearly 3 million times against the competition. How many? 3 million frickin' times. Hey, man, I'm standing right next to you. Ah, sorry. Got a little excited. Don't take us at our word. Take us at our proof. Visit Bravant.com to see for yourself. Bravant Seeds. It's about time. Bravant multi-year on-farm pre-commercial head-to-head comparisons, third-party and research trials, based on more than 2.8 million comparisons. Sensors and machine learning. The world of soil mapping continues to change. Earth Optics CEO Lars Deerud joins me now. And Lars, tell us a little bit about what Earth Optics does. Yeah, so we make soil maps using both traditional soil sample, uh, but we also map the field with several sensors and bring in satellite and other satellite-based data sources to use machine learning to make a very high-resolution yet very accurate map of any soil attribute the system's trained on. We've been around for nearly four years now. Um, this is our third full full season making maps for our customers. Um, and each year we've been growing at about a, a 10 times rate. How does this benefit the farmer? It benefits the farmer because we dramatically lower costs for traditional fertility mapping, but also it enables new products like compaction mapping. And all that data is delivered to the grower uh, via 
convenient web uh, web interface, and they can download the files to integrate with other systems if they choose. That's Lars Deerroot, CEO of Earth Optics. Lars, thanks for joining us. And if you want more information, visit the website earthoptics.com. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seat has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I'm going to ask for a show of hands out there. Who is uh, maybe a little tired of talking policy this morning? Well, I am a little bit. We're going to take a break. We're going to turn our focus back to crop production to end the show. Joining me next is Travis Kaufman. He's the Traits Marketing Manager over at Bayer. And Travis, let's talk a little bit about what you guys are bringing to the table. Short stature corn is on the menu. What has Bayer been developing? Yeah, short stature corn is is a game-changing innovation that we're really excited about. So we've got uh, short stature corn coming out in 2023 in terms of groundbreakers. And what that's really going to do is give uh, a lot of benefits to growers from a protection standpoint. So if they've got those straight-line winds that are really tough, uh, this is going to help them protect against that lodging and green snap. It also allows them to get over the field all season long. So if they need a fungicide application, a nitrogen application, insecticide, you name it, it's it's another option for them and, and they can get over with their sprayers and then yield potential. So bringing it all together, taking all those things that I just talked about, but also opportunities to look at uh, increased densities and whatever they feel like would be a good opportunity for them to drive that yield potential. It is so cool to see this. And I've been watching short stature corn be developed for for quite some time. It's not a new project. I'm sure Bears had uh, had it in the works for a while. To see it coming to fruition is pretty neat. Travis, for folks who are maybe not familiar with short stature corn, tell us what's the difference compared to standard corn out there? What is Bayer developing? Yeah, short stature corn is going to be roughly five to seven feet. That's where we're breeding it today. So uh, normal 11 to 13 feet for your, your traditional corn. So it's definitely going to look a little different out in the fields. But uh, I think it's a a lot of uh, opportunities for growers. It, it may look different, may feel different, but it's still corn. So they, they still see the benefits in that and they should be able to drive their yield potential accordingly. But this gives them another tool in their toolbox to do things a little bit differently, test some things out that maybe they just didn't have access to the crop before. You mentioned 2023, this next growing season, you'll be with the groundbreakers. So, yeah. so the folks out there really putting it into practice, trying it on the farms. Will there be opportunity for folks who aren't participating in the program to see the crop in the field and to, to visualize it up close? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be doing lots of field days and events. We'll be at a lot of the, the trade shows and different things, highlighting short stature corn and smart corn system. Uh, it will be on quite a few growers' farms throughout the Midwest this year. So that groundbreakers, uh, we're still trying to nail down the, the final acre count by all means. But the growers that will have access to it will have roughly 80 to 240 acres. So it's going to be a pretty good look at the technology and give them an opportunity to test it and see how they want to tinker with it going forward. 
That is very cool. And then full commercial introduction, hopefully shooting for 2024. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're targeting that targeted uh, commercial introduction 2024, uh, pending some things, but that's where we're heading. Absolutely. All right, so that's the technology that's coming. Very exciting stuff. A bear, of course, has a ton of technologies on offer today. I think, obviously, we're coming through harvest. We're seeing the impact of corn rootworm throughout the Midwest. My mind goes to SmartStacks. How's it looking this year? Yes. Yeah, we uh, we saw SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology perform really well in those corn rootworm pressure environments. Uh, we know that corn rootworm continues to be that billion-dollar bug for growers, and it's an opportunity, another tool in the toolbox, if you will. So for those growers that have that pressure, it gives them something to combat corn rootworm and a new technology to, to really fight against those, those corn rootworm larvae. What is it that makes, what is new about the technology that SmartStacks pros bring into the table? Yeah, so we're, we're taking SmartStacks, what growers know and love, and we've added RNAi technology to it. So what RNAi technology is, is it inhibits the ability for the corn rootworm larvae to produce a protein vital to its life. So it's a one-two punch that you got the BT traits that from SmartStacks and then you got that RNAi technology. They're taking care of that corn rootworm in different ways so that it's not able to uh, do what it, what it wants to do. So how does performance of SmartStacks Pro compare to a traditional BT type uh, product? Yeah, we've done trials over the last couple of years and, and SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology actually has three times better protection against corn rootworm compared to everything else out in the marketplace. We've tested against all other trait technologies from a below ground standpoint. So we, we've we loved that those results and, and we like touting it's the strongest biotech defense against corn rootworm. If you're touting these results, I imagine farmers are going to be interested in getting their hands on some SmartStacks Pro next year. How does seed production look? Would you be ready to meet farmer demand? Absolutely. Yeah, we had a limited introduction in, in 2022, but we're going to be on over a million acres in 2023. So for those growers that have that really high pressure of corn rootworm, SmartStacks Pro is a great option for them. All right. Before we let you go, while we're talking here, I want to ask you about VT4 Pro. Yeah. What, are, what technologies are we bringing to bear there? Yeah, VT4 Pro is going to be our newest corn trait that we're going to be bringing out in 2024. So what VT4 Pro with RNAi technology is, is we're, we're taking our, our strongest above-ground protection product, Tricepta, and we've added RNAi technology that I just talked about from a, a SmartStacks Pro standpoint. So you get the strongest above-ground protection, but you also get some uh, the newest uh, corn rootworm technology combined together. So for those growers that have that low to moderate corn rootworm pressure, they're, they're just inconsistent or it pops up and maybe it doesn't the following year. VT4 Pro with RNAi technology is going to be a great option for them. Geographically, when you're thinking VT4 Pro, who are you targeting? Is it mainly a Midwest or with the pressure from corn rootworm, is this is this a nationwide product? Yeah, it's it's going to be a good combo with SmartStacks Pro. So for that uh, heavy corn rootworm pressure environment, think your, your Midwest states and certain pockets within those Midwest states. But there are also areas where maybe there's a lot of corn on corn going on in some geographies. Um, but we, we feel like VT4 Pro is going to be able to be spread out across the U.S. for those growers that need that corn rootworm protection and that above ground protection that it provides. That is something else. And you mentioned VT4 Pro. You're still you're still researching, growing that seed. Commercial introduction, you said 2024? Correct. Yes. Yeah, we're working on 2024 being our introduction for that. And uh, we'll, we'll have lots of trials out in 2023. So I, girls will get a good look at it this year. You know, while I'm thinking geography, I did not ask you about the geography on that short stature corn. Is it is it a Midwest-focused tool, or do you see it shining across the country? Yeah, for first uh, couple of years of its, of its life, it's going to be in that Midwest. So we're going to be targeting that... Uh, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana kind of area. Um, but as as we 
continue to innovate and, and build our pipeline, it's going to go much larger as, as we're able to do it. it. That is, it is very neat technology, folks. If you've never looked into short stature corn, I'd encourage you to check it out. Are there places we can go and see what Bear is bringing to the table on the short stature corn quite yet? Yeah, you can uh, go to smartcornsystem.com. That's that's where uh, growers can get a good look at, at, at the short stature corn hybrids. And then go to talk to your local dealer and agronomist because there's going to be a lot. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Sensors and machine learning. The world of soil mapping continues to change. Earth Optics CEO Lars Deerud joins me now. And Lars, tell us a little bit about what Earth Optics does. Yeah, so we make soil maps using both traditional soil sample, uh, but we also map the field with several sensors and bring in satellite and other satellite-based data sources to use machine learning to make a very high resolution, yet very accurate map of any soil attribute the system's trained on. We've been around for nearly four years now. Um, this is our third full, full season making maps for our customers. Um, and each year we've been growing at about a, a 10 times rate. How does this benefit the farmer? It benefits the farmer because we dramatically lower costs for traditional fertility mapping, but also it enables new products like compaction mapping. And all that data is delivered to the grower uh, via convenient web uh, web interface, and they can download the files to integrate with other systems if they choose. That's Lars Deerroot, CEO of Earth Optics. Lars, thanks for joining us. And if you want more information, visit the website earthoptics.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating, your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 